do that first. So if you want, we can just record it instead of going live. What's your What's your view? I don't mind. Whatever's easiest. Whatever's e easier for you, mate. Like you said if you can right. edit and play about with it, then go for it. All right. Give me three, two, one. Cool. Give it a chance to sync. Okay. Good evening, and welcome back to the Unbroken Channel for episode three of our podcast, Down but Not Out. Tonight we have joining me as a co-host, Angela Westbrook. Hello, Angela. Hi, yeah. And um, a man who I can only describe as uh, a true inspiration to me, uh, and that is, he's looking around, but it is you, Stumpy. Okay, we've got Stacey <laughs> Stumpy Creswell. Um, evening. Namaste. So, um, greetings, guys. True inspiration and true comedian as well. Yeah. I'm going to tell some of the yeah. stories. One, one, that one. Some, wait, time, minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> some stories good for the podcast, some we will not put into it. <laughs> I might yeah. not be invited back to co host if I tell some of Stumpy's stories. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Stump, Stumpy kept us happy many a times uh, while on our travels with uh, his sense of humour. So, um, just to get into it, uh, Stumpy, do you want to just give us a give us a quick background about your early life in the forces, if if you don't mind, and don't mind. what led to your medical discharge? If you're happy to talk about it, yeah, I can. Well, yeah, my name is Stacy Cresswell. I'm 51 year old um, from. Newcastle upon Tyne originally. I now live down in a little market town in Wiltshire on the edge of Salisbury Plain called Devizes. Not many people have heard of it. Um, when you say you're 25, 25 minutes from Stonehenge, they know where you are roughly. So that's it. Um, I joined the army in 1988 when I was 16 years old. Uh, so I joined as a boy soldier. I'd done a year's basic training with the Junior Leaders Regiment Royal Artillery at Bramcourt in Nuneaton. Um, from there, uh, I'd done lots of interesting things. I was part of the PT Display Troop, which meant I got to jump through fiery hoops and do lots of somersaults and crazy things like that, which culminated in 1989 with us um, being part of the Edinburgh Military Tattoo. Uh, which which was nice, was televised. Um, so 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 that that was that was fun. Uh, I then joined my unit in about August September nineteen eighty nine, and as soon as I walked through the gates, they said uh, first thing they said was right, don't get too comfortable here because we're off to Northern Ireland in January. I thought, right, fantastic, which I already knew anyway. We'd already been told uh, that we were going. Um, so so that didn't come as a big surprise. So January came and off we trotted down to South Armagh for seven and a half months, right down on the seven borders. Months. Yeah, it was, um, obviously, it's normally a six-month tour, but we'd done seven and a half because it was a 300-year anniversary of the Orange, the Orange Order. Um, or something ridiculous like that. So instead of um, the new regiment coming in cold, as to speak, they started sending their guys over slightly earlier, so it was broken down. So we kind of bled them in, and we went out patrolling with those so they could get used to the, the area as well and uh, not having to deal with the pressures of the Orange Marches as well. So, um, so, so we eventually came back in about the about the July, August. I think the last the last lot of guys left. Um, well, three months into the tour, I was eighteen by this point. I started noticing what felt like or oh, severe cramps and um, splints down the back of my right leg. I went and seen the medic. 
and as medics do when you go and report problems with your legs they give you two bits of advice so right you've got shin splints or cramps or loosen your laces and take some proofing standard, uh, stand, standard military response standard military procedure and as you know and proofing fixes anything from a headache to a broken leg <laughs> so um didn't work so I was walking, walking, patrolling. Obviously, I'm, I'm slogging up and down South Armagh with the best part of 80 to 100 pound on me back in weight. Um, an LSW rifle. So I was the, had a big sniper scope on it. And so I was tail end Charlie. So I was struggling to walk. So when you were, Anything after sort of 30, 40 yards, leg would just completely seize up, which wasn't good when you were out for sort of anything from eight hours to two or three days. Wow. So we eventually got me up to the medical centre in Armour Barracks. It was dramatic. And it says, right, it's certainly not shin splints because you haven't got a pulse in your foot. <sighs> so... Um, said okay so he says I think it's claudication or condition known as popliteal artery entrapment syndrome now what that is um, it happens with smokers and diabetics quite a lot in the respect that when they get a fatty fatty tissue fatty build up in their arteries and things like that it blocks their artery so blood supply can't get through. Now, what had happened with me was because of the amount of walking I was doing, the amount of weight that I was carrying, the leg muscles um, in my lower leg and my leg in general were growing faster than the normal my normal body rate. So the muscles in my leg had obviously grown at a faster pace than my normal body pace and they completely squashed five centimetres of my artery behind my kneecap. Behind oh, my kneecap. So I was taken off frontline duties and spent the rest of the tour in the ops room, which obviously stopped the, the patrolling and anything like that. So that kind of made it a little bit more comfortable. I got back to the UK. Um, I was then sent down to Woolwich Hospital was open at the time where I had a, a an artery bypass left a big 18 inch scar down the back of my leg where he'd done the bypass and it didn't work so I then had another bypass operation no but it wasn't a bypass it was an angioplast where they stick a catheter down your your main artery with a balloon on the end and you expand it yeah and it expands the artery. Yeah. So that that worked, kind of worked, um, but I, I was never the same again after that. I would, I'd, I'd struggle with with fitness. Um, I'd struggle with the BFT, for those of you who are from an earlier generation. I don't know if you know what that'll be, but it was the, the basic <laughs> fitness test, which was one and a half mile squatted in 15 minutes and then and a half mile of your own accord in less than ten and a half minutes. And obviously I'd struggle with combat fitness test as well, which was the eight mile force march. So it was never ever right. Um we were over in Germany by this point and I got posted back to Lark Hill in Wiltshire. And I decided at the age of 25, look, I'm not, I'm not going any, anywhere. I'm, I'm struggling fitness-wise. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out of the army and start again. I was only 25, so I thought, why not start, start nice and early. So I got plenty of time ahead of me. Unfortunately, it didn't work like that. There was lots of things going on in my head, um, which led to lots of drinking, eating crap food, lots of nightmares, depression, stuff like that which was eventually in about 2015 diagnosed as complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, diagnosed through combat stress and 
Um, so that was the answer to that. Again, so the leg was never right. 2018, the artery collapsed again in exactly the same place when I was out walking the dog. So I went down to Southmead Hospital after a few consultations. I had another bypass on it. Uh, but when the surgeon done the bypass operation, he sliced through a main nerve on the inside of my leg and he killed all the feeling on the inside of the leg. Oh. And now, had the original injury was still there, he could still feel it, even though he bypassed it because he hadn't dealt with the, the collapsed artery. Um, so I was still getting cold feet, still getting problems walking, and now I could hit me leg with a golf club or a hammer and I couldn't feel it. So I was playing golf with a couple of um, friends of mine from a couple of golfing charities. Badly, you the leg, but go on. Say again, sorry? I said playing golf badly if you're hitting your leg with it. Well, yeah, but <laughs> when, you, when you get dogs walking into you or you walk into something and you don't realise... You don't even feel it. I don't, well, yeah. I don't know how you're playing golf. You know, when you've got no feeling... Yeah. You know, yeah. that must have been horrific. Oh, it was, it was, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't good, you know. I haven't told a lot of people this, but the, because of the, there's a, there's a few people know, um, I couldn't cope with the pain with it for a long, long time. And I actually took two overdoses because I'd had, I'd had enough of it. Um, so the... The wife found me sort of lying on the bed, foaming out one day, um, and I woke up to a room full of paramedics and trying to stick tubes in me and stuff like that, and um, wasn't good. But uh, once we kind of got to the bottom of it, um, it realised what it was. You know what I mean? So that was that was treated. Certain expect certain extent, but I mean it, it's managed now. It's managed now. Um, so when I was playing golf, I played with a lot of amputees, and a lot of them had said to me, "said Have you ever have you ever spoke to Alex Crick in Salisbury Hospital?" Because I'd already came to the decision that I wanted a, I wanted the leg taken off. So. I said, nope, never heard of him. never heard of him. Who is who's who's Alex Victor? No, he's a plastic surgeon in Salisbury Hospital who runs a veterans war clinic. Deals primarily with um, amputees from Iraq initially and Afghan and a lot of obviously IEDs and, and explosions. But she does also deal with other medical conditions that lead to uh, problems with your leg. So I sent her an email. This must have been about 20, beginning of 2020. Big four-page email just explaining the whole situation. And she phoned me back 9.30 on a Monday evening and after she introduced herself. The first words that came out of her mouth were, well, you've been through the shit with this, haven't you? I said, have I? Yep. She's getting to see me, so I think it was on the Thursday, about four days later, I went down and seen her. Um, again, explained the whole situation. And she says, so, put in the letter what you want, what you want me to do. She says, obviously, I need you to tell me. She said, well, I want you to take it off. I want you to amputate it. Now, I have two friends who I know that she amputated on, again, for similar reasons to me, for medical reasons. Mm. And I'd heard nothing but good things about this woman. And she is an incredible, an incredible woman. She's one of these who um, she will do what you ask. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so she brought the trust before you even started absolutely, absolutely. when you put something like that in someone's hands you really want yeah. that yeah absolutely 
So every time I went to see her, even that first meeting, there was all there was always also a rep from the Defence Medical Welfare Service, a guy called Matty Long, who based <coughs> in Salisbury Hospital. He goes around finding veterans and making sure they're all looked after. There was uh, somebody there from Help the Heroes, and there was also somebody there from Blesma, which is obviously the charity for limbless veterans. And they were incredible. The whole team was incredible. So the whole process from start to finish from meeting her took about um, 15 months. And on the 18th of November 2021, I went under the knife and I had a, an above knee amputation of my right leg. Which is, uh, you know, it's incredibly 16. brave decision to take by yourself. And if I can just go back as well to what you told us about a suicide attempt, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I'm glad you got through that because the world would be a worse place without you, mate. Oh, thank you, mate. Absolutely. But um, with the with the amputation, were, were you straight into were you straight into rehab with that? How 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 did it feel after you'd had it done initially? It the the biggest concern that I had about the amputation was how I would react the first time I seen the stump, no leg there. Okay, that was the biggest problem. So so what I'd done for for months, I, I took right time try to kind of desensitize it i'd sit in the dark or i'd i'd hide my right leg and just take it out of the equation so mm -hmm. if i was sat reading if i was sat downstairs watching tv i'd put a blanket over it i try not to move it and just purely concentrate on the left leg so it would kind of just just totally ignore the fact that the right leg was there and this was the this this was the biggest problem that I had was how I would react. Now, I spoke to guys who'd obviously lost their who'd lost limbs from IEDs and things like that, and I'd also spoke to the guys who'd lost them for medical reasons, and they both came. They both said the same thing: said because you made this decision con consciously, you're ready for it. I mean, it's when you get hit by an IED. You're walking along, and the next thing you do, you wake up in a field hospital. You open your eyes and you look down; your legs have gone. That's more traumatic to deal with than actually you know, making the decision yourself, which I totally agree with. You know, what I mean, those guys they wake up, they think Jesus Christ, they've got enough to deal with, and they say, "Oh, I'll be walking." Next thing you know, they've got no bloody legs. So they've got all of that to process. As, long, as well as the whole experience and the PTSD and everything that goes around with it. So, in the end, I was fine. The surgeon, she said to me, she says, it's, it's your choice. I will be there with you every second of, of, of the, every, every second of the journey that you're on. You can take a minute, you can take an hour, a day, a week. It's entirely up to you when you look at your stump. You know, you're under no pressure to do it whatsoever. So I went under the knife, um, four and a half, five hours into surgery, and woke up, and true to the word, the first person that, that I saw was the surgeon, who sat by me still, so I found me side. He said, yeah, all well, all good, how do you feel? Fantastic. Obviously, I'm off, I'm off my face, I'm mentally, I'm not going anything. Um, and I just sat up about right, ripped the blankets off, looked at it, and I just pissed myself laughing. <laughs> and I just and I just couldn't stop laughing. And I just I, I was in hospital for two weeks, and all I done was laugh because the relief of it, the pain you know, was gone. You know, there was there was nothing there, and it yeah. was just such a relief. To not have that pain, it, it was the best best feeling in the world, and it was the best decision I ever made in my life. You know what I mean, I've made lots of crazy decisions, and I've done lots of crazy things in my life, but this was truly the best decision 
ever made in my life. Do you know, you're not the first that I've heard say that. JJ said that about his, the guy we had on last week at the end. But I want to ask something about, because I know that you do struggle with phantom pain. And yeah. I want to tell you about a conversation that I had. So when we were out in Vegas, and we were at the bar one night, and there was myself. And do you remember the big, tall army lad, Adam? Yeah. And then JJ. And we were sitting talking. And Adam really, really struggled, really struggled with phantom pain. Yeah. Um, and we were sat up with him until quite the early hours because he just doesn't like going to bed. It, it scares him because when he gets there, he lays down. The pain's phenomenal. Yeah. And the little that's not there. Okay. So we stay up late with him and then we, we, we sort him out and, and, and JJ and I chatting afterwards and, and, and it was like, it's to, from what I can gather, there is different types of surgery and the way that the muscles and the nerves are rooted yeah. after and around the stump will either mitigate or not this yeah. huge issue for many amputees, which is phantom pain. Yeah. Now, Adam's was a major issue. I know JJ's is less of an issue because they've done quite a good job of rerouting, but I know that he still gets, you know, an itchy, he'll scratch one part of his stomach, yep. that's an itch in my ankle, that's itching my foot or whatever. Mm -hmm. But Adam's was was horrific, the phantom pain that he got. And I know that you suffer with that sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of it, um, again, comes down to the amount of damage and trauma from the original injury. Right. Um, a lot of it also comes down to where the scarring is um, because obviously you've got you you've, you've still got signals coming from your brain trying to get down to your foot so they think that your foot's still there so they then get to the end of your stump and they think oh hello what's going on here you know what I mean so they don't know where it's going so they're getting confused so obviously it's trying to tell you something's not right then it goes back and saying, right, I can't get the signals down to my foot. But your foot, you can still feel that your foot's there. Or you get an itchy knee or something like that. Now, I've been very lucky now. Um, I think because of where my scar is, the scar is actually behind my, at the back of my stump. It's not actually on the bottom. So. If you're busy and you're doing something and your brain's occupied, it's an it's a non-issue. It's like but it's like you said, well, it's when you stop. It's yeah. when your your brain has time to think and them signals are going down, and that's when when the issue occurs. Um there are different coping mechanisms what people use that do work for some people. To do work that don't work for other people one of the techniques that people use is a, a technique called the mirror image yeah so what they do is they'll get a they'll get a mirror and they'll put it um sort of between the groin uh so that it's pointing to the good leg you're getting a reflection of the good leg at least the, the missing leg is still there yeah. and that psychosomatically eases the, the yeah. issue it's yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? So, so if you look in the if you if you look in the mirror, and if you've got say an itchy calf muscle, and you're looking at the reflection in the mirror, and you scratch your, your good leg, but you don't take any notice of it, but you're looking at the reflection, your brain's telling you that you're scratching, you're scratching the calf on the the invisible lip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's um, it's it. I had I had it really really bad last night. Ironically, it's the first time. Well, I saw uh, that on your yeah. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I've and I don't know. Well, I do know what it was. I think it was because when I was in bed yesterday morning, and the dogs came hurtling into the bedroom. Um, they come in most mornings, but both of them, for some reason, when they came up, it was, they didn't do it on purpose, you know. They both, as they were coming up, the, the weight of the dogs straight onto my stump. So that right. kind of fired it up all day. 
and then by the time I'd sort of stopped, yeah, like you said, the pain were, were was bad last night. A um, lot of sort of nerve blockers, um, Lyrica, Gabapentin. I mean, there's different things like that which which do work, but like you yeah. said, a lot of people don't like taking taking pills. So there's kind of hemp creams out there which which work. But the majority <coughs> of what I've got is massage. So really kind of deep massage into the area where you can, where you can feel as low as you can get down to it and where you just really really get your fingers in and really give it a good rub without being too uncomfortable and putting yourself in too much pain but yeah. it's about being it's about keeping your brain occupied that's that's the main thing and well this is the the interesting thing is that you're saying like it's when you slow down and when you stop and from conversations with other amputees and, and you can corroborate this if you've had an amputation above the knee, I mean, yeah. let's talk about me and Mick, right? All right, Mick's shoulders knackered and my right ankle's knackered, but we've got two legs, we've got two yeah. feet, and we've got about on our two legs, and we don't take any notice of it, right? Mm -hmm. If you've had an amputation below the knee, it's probably about 50% more expenditure of energy just to walk about in the same way. Yeah. And if you've had an amputation above the knee, mm -hmm. it's JJ, it could be wrong, but you are probably spending about 75% more energy yeah. than just walking about. So you've got this catch-22 situation, yeah. whereas if you sit still, you're going to get your phantom pain. Yeah. In order to be moving about, you move, you're using almost twice the energy. And even yeah. the fittest people are going to end up spreaders. And it must be exhausting. And I know yeah. from particularly, you know, our trip away and when we went on that day out at the end and you really struggle sometimes, not just with the energy expended, but the comfort of having the stump in the silicone, in the prosthetic, yeah. being on it. It swells, it shrinks, it swells. You might get stuff, you know, even a little bit of irritant, get caught in yeah. it, and then you're in bother, aren't you? Yeah, so you're absolutely. fighting battles every day just yeah. being happy with energy expenditure and discomfort separate to the phantom yeah. pain and any other medical issues. And Absolutely. it's just tough, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah, it's... And, it's, um, and you're saying that you've, you know, as Mick said, we wouldn't be the same without you, mate, but you've already, prior to this amputation, had significant mental well-being issues, taking two yeah. attempts on your own life. You tell us you're now managing your CPTSD, mm -hmm. and I'd like to come back to that. But then you've got all this on top of it now. Yeah. So to be sitting there talking to us and having gone and gone to Vegas and done what you did and just be who you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're a bloody legend. Thank you, darling. And can I ask a bit and can I ask a bit of a lighthearted question? So have you always had this sense of humour? Or, um, or has this come has this come later? Because I've all, I've always I've always had a I've always had a wickedly dark sense of humour. Okay. Yeah. Naughty so, thing that is. Yeah. So when you when, <laughs> yeah. when you had your when you had your amputation, did you ask for your leg in a jar? No. <laughs> what I did what I did ask for, um, I didn't ask for it in a jar. Um, but what I did ask for is, <laughs> can you you know when um when women have babies and you always see that first shot when the when when the babies are first born and within seconds they're up on they're up you're up cuddling them and they're in a white they're in a white yeah, white lid. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and, the, and they're sat looking at them. But what I said to the surgeon was I said, Can I ask a favour? And Bridget Bridget was in with me and she knew I was gonna say it. She said, Don't you bloody dare <laughs> be the wife and I said, Well I've got to ask in now the surgeon went, right, I'm not going to like this. Am I? I says, well, I says, don't judge yet. I says, and I said that, I says, you know, women, when they have the babies and they get this lovely photo of them with the baby and they're, all, they're looking all cosy, she went, yes. I said, well, when you've took me leg off, I says, can you wrap it up in a white sheet for me? <laughs> My foot and my toes, with my foot and my toes sort of resting on my shoulder, 
with my head on it, pointing at it, so that my toes are sort of sat on my shoulder. With looks like I'm cuddling it. Did they say no? When Stacey, she says, it's not very ethical from an NHS point of view and from my point of view. And I said to her, I said, oh, fuck ethics. I said, you can use my phone. I said, I won't tell anybody if you won't. And she says, no, darling. She said, you're not having I'll a phone. And I, <laughs> and I said to her, I said, you're, you're just boring. <laughs> the other time when you took your leg off and we were on that visit, and I was a bit worried about you because you've been in that auditorium, like that um, like cinema room for ages. Yeah. Remember me coming in to check on you and you're with Beth yeah. the and I come over with my, you know, my Ange Carey face and sound. And I went, oh, mate, how are you doing? And you were like, oh, you know. And I went, you're a bit swollen. And I'm talking about your stomach. And quick <laughs> typical you, and I'm always swollen for you, Ange. <laughs> Again, one of my finest Stacey moments. Yeah, I, I, won't, <coughs> I won't come out with any more, but you, yeah. you are very no, it, Yeah, but, very uh, so moving on to that sort of Las Vegas experience then. Yeah. What did that mean to you to get out there and compete? It was it was it was like it was life changing. I mean, obviously we we know we know the story, you know. I mean we we'd all done the trials for the Invictus and we all knew that sometime in February we were gonna be getting telephone calls to say whether or not we'd been selected for the Invictus games. Um so when I got the phone call on the 8th of February, just to say, and it was little Hannah, uh, said, unfortunately, you haven't been selected for the Invictus Games um, this year. And I, I said, well, to be honest, I, wa- I wasn't expecting to. You know, I, I wasn't in a particularly good place when, when I'd done them. So, but it was just nice to obviously get out and, and meet a, meet a few people and catch up with some some old faces. So I was just about to hang the phone up. She says, "Hang on, hang on." She says, um, "However, you have been selected to represent the United Kingdom um, at the U.S. Air Force trials at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas for two weeks." And I went, "Huh?" Eh? And I said. She says, yeah, we're flying out on the night. We're meeting up on the 19th of February. And not even thinking about it, I, I'd said to her, I said, oh, well, that gives me just over a year to do some training then. I think we all said the same thing. <laughs> and she says, no, Stacey, we're going in 11 days. <laughs> and it I was said, 11 days, right? It was fast out. Yeah. And can you remember, can you remember what I said every single day, even when we got to Las Vegas? You know what I mean? What I was saying to all the staff said, "This is a wind up." This, yeah, because yeah. I just, I just thought it was just a complete wind up. I was expect, even when we were on the plane and we were up in the air, I was expecting the plane to turn round and go back to Heathrow and say, "Ha ha, right, got yours. Now bugger off." All. It was pretty surreal. We said this last week, didn't we? One hell of a booby prize. It, yeah, exactly. And the amount of people who I've spoke to, and I know. Everybody who went to Vegas has spoke to people who have got on the Invictus team. And I think they feel that they've kind of, um, they've been dealt the kind of, the rubbish hand here. <laughs> because, he said... We, we made such a good time out of it, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what, we, what we had out there from, from the second that we met at, at Uxbridge University... There was, there was there was something special there between all thirty one of us and the staff. You know, we I've been in lots of situations where I've you, you go on courses or whatever, and you have you meet lots of different people, and you say, "Oh, we'll all stay, we'll all stay in touch," and things like that. And and it, it never it doesn't happen, you know. I mean, for whatever reason, you know, somebody upset somebody and that's it the whole thing kind of vanishes into the ether but i the love and the support that we found uh, in each other I've, I've never experienced anything like it and i know we're all still in touch today there's one there's one or two who've kind of gone off the radar a little bit but i know 
there's a few of us who are kind of still in, in touch with them. Um, but interestingly, when you talk about, you know, other scenarios where you've got together and there's maybe been a bit of friction and people have gone their separate ways, we as a group, we've had our friction. And let's not forget that there's as much mental well-being difficulties there is physical. Absolutely. For a lot of people, and they have both. Yeah. So there's a lot of people <coughs> that are not triggers than Trump with Joe Public, but yet we've still managed to, when we have amongst ourselves as a group, flare up, resolve and repair and move forward. And that, that that's fundamental. That's proper... You know, when you talk about, as you guys all know, I'm a therapist, building a therapeutic relationship, it applies with any relationship. Yeah. How you deal with the difficult bits and resolve and repair and communicate and authentically come through and out the other side is what brings that bond even stronger. Yeah. And that's where I kind of want to come back to you and your, your complex PTSD. When you said earlier, I manage it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way I manage it um, is obviously accepting it is, is the first thing. I mean, it, it, it was owning it, I suppose. Um, my decision to have it off, so I've, there's never, ever been a day where I've regret having it amputated. I can't. I can't regret it. It was my choice, so... I can't. I can't get upset about it. But didn't you have those issues before you made that choice? Yeah, but that was down to the pain, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was that, that was purely down to the pain. Which I, I so feel the you there. Yeah, is the management of the CPTSD? You think I'd be able to say it's bloody nervous? Um, is part of the management of it chopping it off and now dealing with the other things that that. You know, because let's yeah. be honest, complex PTSD is called complex because it isn't just about one trauma. It's about a yeah. number. Yeah. Well, ironically, one of my continuing nightmares um, that I had, I was never, ever involved in anything in Northern Ireland. Never had any contacts. There was no bombings. Never seen any anything untoward. Okay, very quiet to her. But my continuing dreams, past nightmares that I have, is I can be doing, having a nice, nice, happy dream. I'll turn around and I'm back in full kit. And I'm in uniform and I'm back on the streets of Northern Ireland. Bizarre. Days after the amputation, that nightmare stopped. Wow. Because in your in your mind there was that link between patrolling and pain. Yep. Yeah. And do you know what, Mick? I get why you say in your mind, but it actually isn't in your mind. It's in your nervous system. It's yeah. in your autonomic nervous system. It's yeah. trapped in your body. This, this is the vessel around the court body holds the score stuff about trauma. And that's why it went. Yeah. Because that bit of your nervous system was removed. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I call with clients, that bottom-up feeling didn't yeah. have a bottom to come from anymore. So you didn't have it anymore. But going back going back to sort of the original point um, with regards to the energy and things like that, yeah, you're absolutely right, Ange. I, um, an above-knee amputee, uses about between 150 and 180% more energy um walking than a two-legged freak as i've start, <laughs> as i've started calling you guys which which is no um so, to do it uh, on two-legged, but yeah yeah and and like and again like you said you're seeing the issues that i that i had when you've when you've got your your prosthetic on for three four five well, i mean we i had on sort of sort of 12 13, 14 hours a day, you take it off, it's extremely difficult to get it back on when, you're, when your stump is swollen. Yeah. So it's, um, again, management-wise, when I'm, when I'm sat at home, if I'm not doing anything, then it's, it's just about rest and keeping the stump down to a, a 
a reasonable size. Um, diet becomes important because yeah. obviously if you're putting weight on, then yeah. you're going to put it, weight on anywhere, yeah. uh, everywhere. That's sorry, probably quite vital. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the 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 main thing is about kind of core stability. You know what I mean? Around your sort of stomach, hips, and groin area. And your body your body adapts very, very quickly. I mean, four months after I had the amputation, I was back out on the golf course. Yeah. What did you play on? Uh, 19. Nice. So I was, before I had the amputation, playing off 23. I dropped four shots in two months when I had the amputation. Wow! No, because I'd slow because I slowed everything down. Because yeah. I because I've got to hit a golf ball slightly different because the my amputee my um, prosthetic goes right up into my groin. I can't I can't twist my hips, so I have to stand slightly different. I mean, all my yeah. distances are all still there. It's just a different way of a different way of hitting them. Of, of hitting the ball so yes yeah, so I, I dropped four shots in the first two months so yeah i mean i can i can still drive a ball 250 yards in a, in a straight line well, you've got uh, you've got way more patience than me mate because uh i tried to take up golf and after half a round i gave up golf well <laughs> yeah it, it, it's not for everybody and believe me i worked in a golf club when i first came out of the army and I despised it. I despised <clears throat> golf. I despised golf clubhouses, and I despised the people. Um, but it was when I was in combat stress on the one of the sort of uh, the, the mental health programs, uh, uh, anger anger management, and something else it was called. Somebody in their infinite wisdom in 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 Leatherhead. So said, "You fancy coming down the golf?" But golf range hit some golf balls it's great for anger management and i said no i don't I hate the game so went down there anyway uh oh, i went an hour down there and an hour and a half later i rang the wife up and she says um what have you just bought for 170 pound on ebay yeah i went shut a golf club she so went, going oh. back at that point so no. what you do Server RF Bucking, and we used to play on the Lynx courses up there. And I was up there for a couple of years. And I got yeah. down to 23. I played off 23 on the Lynx courses. Um, but then I didn't play for years. But I went out once, six months pregnant. That's obviously the sign. Yeah. With a, on a golf day in Lincoln, the 23 squadron when I was on the AWACS. Um, and I beat most of the blokes with a six month bump in the way. So that was quite yeah. like, uh, it's quite hard to play. You've got to kind of just step back a little bit more. Get the <laughs> <laughs> but it is very addictive. Yeah, it's um, and again, that's my that's my main go, my main go to with regards to my mental health because because yeah. it's so you know, it, it covers all aspects all aspects of everything. Really, it takes your focus away from everything that you're thinking about because you've got to put a hundred percent concentration into hitting that little white golf ball. Hitting it straight, club selection, you know, I mean, the whole lot. And on top of that, you're out in the fresh air. You mean so you're getting fresh air in, you're getting you're getting sun sunlight, if it if it is sunny, you get you're getting sunshine in your face, you know what I mean? It's making you feel good, it's getting the endorphins going, and it, and it's fantastic. I mean I haven't I haven't played out on a course since I haven't played around since September because it's I was finding out I was starting to struggle a little bit on this on this prosthetic because it's my first one. So um I'm in the process now of being fitted for me my new leg. And I I've I've been on the range a few times and I just I just can't wait to get back out on there. So start hitting the hitting the balls again. Which and I refer uh, to as the uh, the Terminator leg. Terminator leg, yeah, yeah, the um, so super duper, super duper robotic. Well, that's the that that's that's what I love at the moment. I mean, I get lots of lots of young kids, and as soon as they see it, you mean you get one of two reactions. They, they just stand and stare, and the parents sort of pull them away and say, "Don't stare, don't stare." And I I make a point of 
kind of say, no, 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 let him uh, let, let him ask. Him yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, and but you've seen the you've seen the tattoo on the back of the other leg, which is basically the side, <laughs> which is a cyborg leg. Now, that's what the the new prosthetic leg will look like. So it'll look exactly the same. Um, so I've had kids come up to me when I've been shopping in Asda with a wife, and they'll just they'll just pull my pull my arm and they'll say, "Excuse me, are you a robot?" <laughs> uh, yeah. So so they, so they love it. You know what I mean? I I I, I don't like. Um, I, I don't I wouldn't say I don't like parents who pull their children away. You know, what I mean, it, it's about it's about education, and kids are kids. You know, they're they're inquisitive, and you've got to let them ask questions. And like you said, it's. I mean, I've got a I've got a 10, 10 month old granddaughter now, and even when I walk in now, you know, what I mean, I walk in and you can see the look on her face, and she's sitting there. You can see she's thinking. Right, what's different with Grandad? Why, why has he got that and everybody else? But when she's sitting on my knees, she's sat there and she's playing with it and she's really slapping it and she's just doing all sorts with it. And yeah, I mean, we're going, we're going to Greece in a couple of weeks' time, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in the pool with her, which is the main thing. You know, what I mean, said so it's, it, it's not holding me back. It's not. There's back. a word you used earlier, and it applies to literally everything. And it's something that we as humans struggle with. It's just acceptance. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it's acceptance that we're human, that we make mistakes, that we have emotions, that we feel sad, that yeah, you know, that that, that things go wrong, that that granddad's got a stump or yeah. you know, whatever. But yeah. people struggle to put things down and let yeah. things go. Can't just be present in the moment and go with it. If a yeah. little kid comes up to you and wants to ask about your stump, there's nothing wrong with that. The parents don't need to panic, you know. No, I've got an additional needs seven-year-old, and my God, she's, if I were the type of person to get embarrassed, she would be extremely embarrassing with what yeah. she goes to strangers and says. I don't get embarrassed. She's adorable. She's innocent. She's accepting that the world's different, and she asks about Absolutely. it, and I celebrate that. If they've got an issue with it, well, maybe yeah. they need to go to accept. Yeah. And that's everything, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, think... I, um, I was I was down in Bournemouth this weekend with a wife um, on a on a Freemasons weekend, and we got up in the morning, and again, same thing. Before we had breakfast, we went for a little twenty minute, um, twenty minute, thirty minute stroll just along the beachfront. And there was a there was a couple sat on the bench waiting for the coffee shop to open by the arcade, and and she was a big girl, and as as we sort of walked past walked past, she said to me, she says, um, "Oh, do you mind me asking what happened?" I said, oh, "I don't mind at all." So I, I told her and explained to her, and um, she says to me, she says, "Oh, I I can't do any running." And I said, what do you mean you can't do anything? What's, what's the matter with you? She said, oh, nothing, I'm just too fat. And obviously that was that was me then, you know. I, I tried my hardest. Well, I was, I was very, very polite. Um, and I, <laughs> says, I says to her, I says, well, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was straightforward, I was blunt, you know, I wasn't rude. But I said to her, I said, have you got any problems with your knees? She says, no. I said, ankles? She said, no. She said, hips? She said, no. I said, well, I said, well you can run then. I said, don't make excuses. I said, you can do anything. I said, I was away last week. I said, I've been bloody rock climbing 40, 50 feet on indoor indoor climbing walls. I said, I've been abseiling. I said, don't tell me that you can't do anything. And there was a woman, ironically, ran past behind us. And she was, a re she was really skinny. I was the older gay, you know what I mean? Typical professional bloody runner. And I says to this woman, I said, look at her there. And she says, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's I says, well, put it this way. I says, if I see overweight people running, I've got more respect for them than I have for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because people are trying to make a difference in their lives. Yeah. I said, yeah. if you can't run, I said, walk fast. You know what I mean? I said, it'll save your knees. But it's about getting up and doing exercise. And then the whole thing was, then she came out with, the, oh, well, I'm being able to do everything do anything since my dad died 
So there's obviously there's always there. a reason behind there's always, it. There's always there's a reason. Background yeah. performance. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that, that's, right that's with a lot of people. Mick, how yeah. are we doing? Yeah. It's okay. I'm just uh, just sending James a message. He's struggling to get in, so we'll probably have to recall with James reschedule for another day and maybe just use yeah. something that's not Microsoft Teams. We're not we're not doing too bad for time. We're you know approaching fifty five minutes, which is good because it's been effortless. Um, but what I where where I want to go to quickly is you spoke about how much extra energy you expend when walking with a prosthetic mm. and you've decided that with that extra energy that you need to walk that you are going to do the marathon de Saab. now <laughs> um those watching um listening wherever you are if you haven't heard of that okay it's basically a crazy man's ultra marathon across the desert um why? <laughs> that's, that's the only question I've got. What, why did you decide to do that? Livingston was asked why um, why he, was, he wanted to climb Mount Everest. And the answer he'd give was, because it's there, because oh. I can. Yeah. Fair. Um, I missed out on doing so much um because of my leg when i was in the army i didn't get it i missed out on doing things like p company on doing commando courses or anything like that i couldn't do it you know what i mean so somebody i met up with a, a representative from walking with the wounded who's my local area rep and i was telling him about the, looking for me next me next challenge was when we got when we got back from vegas and he says, do you like walking? I says, yeah, I like walking. He says, um, you know what the Marathon de Sable is? I said, no. He says, okay. He said, it's a 251-kilometer ultramarathon, um, seven days, self-sufficient, across the Sahara Desert, Morocco. Do you fancy doing it? And without even blinking, I went, yeah. I'll do it. And he just looked at me as if to say, all right, okay, what have I unleashed here? <laughs> and um, he says, it's, it's well, it, it, it's classed as the hardest ultra marathon on the planet. And the reason being is it's not as, not as simple as doing 26 miles a day over seven days the shortest stage on it is seven kilometers obviously you're up and down the sand dunes as well um you do the stages of the, the 26 miles but the longest part of it is a 90 kilometer nine zero a 90 kilometer yomp so that's that's, ba that's basically two marathons back to back if you, if you want to do the maths on that. Um, so you, you, probably, you, you yeah probably closer to three. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a long yeah. it's a long way. Yeah, it's basically 18, 18, 19, 20 hours of walking. Um, but the guy who I've been talking to from walking with a wounded is a double amputee and he's done it twice so again my philosophy well he's got he's got no legs i've got one i can do it in half the time not necessarily <laughs> half the time not but half, but half half the blisters yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, it, and it's funny because yeah. we had this conversation um, off off the live earlier about socks oh, and socks, uh, i recommended yeah. some cracking socks uh to which yeah. you pointed out well the last you double the length of time you only need one at a time yeah because um, yeah. that's the sort of man you are now yeah obviously to, to to do that marathon comes with some fundraising uh we're yeah. walking for the wounded so i've just dropped that link into the live now okay if you go and check out that page 
Um, this link will also be in the description of this episode on YouTube and I'll put it in the description on all other outlets. So um, Spotify, Amazon, it'll all be on there. Um, I appreciate that. It is very... Before, before the, the ultra marathon, I'm doing a, a warm-up for it. I'm doing a, a 100 kilometres in November. Okay. So I'm doing, I'm doing the 100 kilometres in November... And then I'm doing the the MDS, the 251 kilometers in April. Cool. Well, so, I, I think I think we've yeah. got to get you back on, certainly after that that hundred kilometer trek. Yeah. Um, and a hundred percent after well all of it because we're, we're going to need pictures, we're going to need videos. Um, you're going to be keeping a diary while you're on there. Like a video diary. If I'm still alive, it might. (laughs) Diary might consist of got here. Lots of lots of sand. Legs swell up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stump's very swollen, and then you might just get a message from the wife saying, "Yeah, come to his funeral. The pillock's dead." Yeah, (laughs) but the um, yeah, the the only rule of it, (laughs) I mean. Obviously, you get your you get your your ultra athletes who do these things, and and they do it in sort of thirty six hours. Um, do you know I mean? I mean, they're act- they're absolute psychopaths. I mean, we're we're doing it as a group with walking with the wounded. So take your time, enjoy yeah, it. Not so we're walking. Now, yeah. the on- the only caveat I hit to well, this marathon, well. right, is that you are followed by two men with two camels okay nice. if the camels beat you in oh i saw this there is actually a documentary on netflix about yeah, a female yeah, right. and saw the camels yeah, bit yeah if you if the camels wow. beat you you're out you're out Wonder what yeah. we can send after you in November on your hundred k. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Just uh, just what we are just what we are live as well. Um, I'm just looking at your GoFundMe page now, and I can tell you, it is incredibly easy to donate because they accept Apple Pay, they accept Google Pay, um, and it has literally just taken me roughly thirty five seconds, all right, to throw a donation down there. So if you haven't done one, you know, get it done. And you're not only, you know, you, you're, it's, it's not just about raising money for walking for the wounded um, and for you to, to, to do the trip. But what, what, what is it going to mean to you to actually get out there and get that done? You know, it's, it, it, it's about, um again it's it's about my mental health and um I suppose the easiest way to do it is as serving soldiers we we always like to push ourselves or we're forced to push ourselves to our to our limits in our extremes now we all know that as you get older, your brain thinks that you're still 21 year old, but your body doesn't. Um, so it's a, it's about basically what I'm doing it for. In a nutshell, is I am doing it to punish myself for all the bullshit that I have put people through over the years with my issues that I couldn't control at the time. And I'm not very good at um, opening up and talking to people, my wife in particular, who we've been together for 28 years. How? I don't know. Because what I've put her through, if it had been the other way around, I would have been... I would have been gone a long time ago. But she is the most caring, loving person I've ever had the privilege to be. And she she's never she's never judged me. 
Um, she supported me 100% in everything that I do. And Stacey, she ain't going to want you to punish yourself, right? Just hold she... that thought for one second. Mick, how long have we got? Um, we, we've got as long as it takes. I'm still trying to get right. James on, so we can go for, forever. I hate hearing you say, I hate hearing you say, I'm doing it to punish myself for everything that I've put everyone through, right? You are an absolute legend. There is no punishment. You are a human and you are a product of everything that has gone before, right? When we are born, mm. left and right of arc, right? We see the world, clean slate. There's all this good stuff and there's all this yeah. bad stuff and there's all this stuff in between, right? Depending on what we go through in life from childhood through adolescence into adulthood, if we are lucky enough to experience lots and lots and lots of good, which side did I say was good? I can't remember. We'll call it this side, right? Mm. If we're lucky enough to experience lots and lots and lots of good, and what we start to do is we start to lose sight of the bad in the world and we expect the world to be quite good. So we expect it over here, right? Yeah. Charmed life. Charmed life. Our, our autonomic nervous system exists largely in, in rest and digest and we're quite chilled, right? If we maybe have some adverse childhood experience, maybe we join the military and we go to combat, maybe we have some other issues, then we start to experience more of the bad and we lose sight of the good and we expect the world to be bad. We expect bad things. We are triggered by stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's not in here, like Nick said earlier. In the it's not in the brain. It's in our bodies. We have to recognise that we're a product of our experience. Yeah. And what you've been through and what you think you've done to others, A, it's not as bad as you think it is because, you know what, you've just told me you've got 28 years with a wonderful lady and she's the best thing that ever happened to you. Well, guess what? She's still with you. I know, I know. So you've got to be a pretty awesome human being. But the other thing yeah. is, you don't need to punish yourself. No, it's... Nothing to punish and no. nothing to punish for. You need to it's... be kind to yourself because you've come through and me and Mick have told you tonight how amazing it is that we've got to grow a friendship with you. We've got to meet you. What a legend you are after everything you've been through. You've still got your sense of humour. You're here doing this with us now. Not to punish, babe. Get that out of your head. Just do it and do it for whatever reason you want to do it, but don't do it for that that's, reason. That's, that's the other reason. It's because, he said, because I've missed out on doing so much. I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got, I've got to at least, I've got to at least start it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if I don't, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. You just do what you can do, and if you don't yeah. do it, oh, it doesn't matter. You just uh, get out. It'll, it'll um, moment by moment. It'll be done. It'll it'll be done," he said. "It's um, yeah, and believe me, I'm not saying it lightly. I'm I am terrified of doing this. I am absolutely bricking it. I bet you are. I bet you are. I, I think if I went in with a cocksure attitude, then I wouldn't. I wouldn't pass it. No, I, you've I, got to I, go I in with the haven't you? Mate, yeah. you you are absolutely gonna gonna smash it. From from just what I've seen of you, your your drive, your passion, the way you support others, you you are going to be an absolute credit to that team of walking for the wounded. Um, Thank you, mate. And, and we That's we cool. we've got to get you there. So if you are, you know what, if 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 you're watching this on YouTube, you're on Spotify, Apple, or Apple Podcasts where this this is available. Right, help the man out. Right, if you know of local businesses that might want to. Um, sponsor Stumpy with some kit, you know, get the name on his T-shirt while he's walking through, you know, get it out there because a lot of people do get sponsored funding through th- for things like this. So let's help him out. Now, unfortunately... Um, Mick, I'm, I'm going to have to go. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Okay. Yeah, um, so, uh, well, we're, we're, we've just sort of peaked our sort of hour for an episode and I think, if I'm honest, I could sit here and speak to you all night. And we could probably get two or three episodes out of you if I'm if I'm perfectly honest, because you know you've had hell, hell of a life and you're just hell of a person. We'll keep, we'll keep them. We'll, we'll keep them until after I've finished. Yeah, we'll definitely have to get you on in November. 
Um, yeah. But if you have been listening, um, it's been awesome. Stumpy, thank you very much for coming on and telling that story. It's not easy. We spoke earlier about, you know, I, I gave a speech today and, you know, part of it, I choked up a little bit. Um, it doesn't matter how many times we tell the story. It's never easy. No. But it does help. Uh, and I think if you can inspire just one more person in the world and they can tell your story to inspire somebody else, you know, we are going to make the world a better place. So thank you very much for coming on to do this tonight. Thank you for having me. It's been great to see you guys again. Yeah, yeah it has been bloody awesome. <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening, guys, and uh, good night. Good night, all. <laughs>